Hello, and welcome to The Bomb Squad and our summer of guests. I'm writer-director Andrew Hada, and I'm here with my co-host, Joshua Epp. And that was his introduction. And also, today we're joined by, oh my God, I'm going (laughs) to mess it up. Sheree Bohannon. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, me and Sheree know each other from Twitter and from, I was on her podcast. Um, Nightmare, Nightmare on, on Fear Street. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nightmare on Fear, on Fear Street. And uh, so, yeah, we kind of got to know each other from there. And so I wanted to bring her on just to get that amazing laugh on my podcast. <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> so I wanted to ask, what movie did you pick? And also, I have you're the only one who gets this follow up question. Why did you not pick Tales from the Hood? Ooh, because <laughs> I, I was like, I was a hundred percent sure you're gonna pick it, and then I was like, wait, she went yeah. another way. So yeah, so I'm very curious. Um, I picked the Frighteners, and I I did not pick Tales from the Hood because we've covered that on my podcast <laughs> in a couple of clubhouse rooms. And if people follow me, they'll see me being very vocal in the way that that movie is treated. <laughs> and so I was like, I should mix it up. Um, <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, you do talk about Tales from the Hood. I think me and you are the only people who like repeatedly bring it up. <laughs> yes. I enjoyed it. I mean, I didn't watch it until you made me watch it. But I was like, oh, this is actually really good. So Yeah, I think it's a sleeper. And that people, <laughs> I don't think people know what it's going to be when they watch it. It's one of those movies that gets skipped over, and I, I, I get really, really upset with people who are like, "I love anthologies. I've seen them all, and I've never seen this one." And so I've had to like break up a couple of friendships that almost started because of that. <laughs> yeah, I re- I remember when Get Out came out. It was it was when I was at my most angriest because people would be like, "Wow, this is the first black horror film," and I was like, "Oh my god, you're so wrong about." Listen, listen. <laughs> yeah. like, there, there is this camp of horror fans who only know what Jordan Peele has done, yeah. uh, which is why when we covered a bunch of Black filmmakers, we purposely had to avoid Jordan Peele so we could be like, there are other creators out there. It's not just Jordan Peele. And they were like, what? What is Eve's by you? Huh? Yeah. Tell us from the hood. And I was like, where have you been for the last 30 years? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a whole separate discussion, but yes, I agree. So, why did you, other than you want to switch it up, why did you pick The Frighteners? As a child, I was obsessed with Michael J. Fox. Um, I have no idea why and what for. I mean, he was everywhere, so that's probably part of it. Is he just inceptioned us that lived on the right. television? <laughs> uh, but. I remember when this came out because it came out in 96. And so I was starting to figure out what parts of his career I was watching in real time versus what was repeats. Right. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, this is a new movie from this person. I've been staring at for all of my life. And I was like, I don't know, eight, maybe I don't, I'm bad at math. (laughs) And so it was big. We rented it and I wore out the tape because back then you keep a tape for like a week in this place that where you go to rent movies <laughs> yeah. um, dating myself. But like I, I wore it out I, and I remember being like, Haha, please be kind and rewind so we can rewatch it. Cause I thought I was witty. And so, <laughs> nice. yeah. and so I was like, I should revisit this. Um, now that I have a podcast that gives me an excuse to find it. Yeah, it is perfect. Cause it's one of those movies I wouldn't have thought to pick, 
but it perfectly fits our our uh, you know our theme of our podcast. So it's um it's perfect. Yeah, another sleeper for different reasons, <laughs> but for another very, sleeper. <laughs> Uh, yeah, let me get into some of the technical. Like she said, it was directed in. I mean, it was made in 1996. It was directed by Peter Jackson. Uh, it stars Michael J. Fox. Like it's funny because usually I have to have IMDb open, but with this one, I really do not. Right? <laughs> uh, it, you it's know, a has, banger cast for the yeah. 90s, especially. So yeah, good. It yeah, a, it has a lot of like. If you don't know some of these people, you've seen them before. Yeah. Like when, I, when I saw when I saw Jake Busey, I literally like clapped. I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, even like John Aston. You know what? I watched this movie so many times, and I just barely realized it was John Aston as the judge. And I was like, "Oh yeah, of course he is." I guess because I always looked. Since it was like one of those things where when you watch it as a kid, you don't re- automatically connect actors to characters. So I just saw him as a ghost, and so this is the first time that I realized that hey, oh yeah, that's an actor in there. I didn't realize this was my first time seeing and recognizing Chi McBride as an actor because he's been around forever. Yeah. But I, I mostly remember him from things when I was an, more of an adult or older and tween. And so when I was rewatching this, I was like, he was here the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Chi comes out, Chi McBride will do that to you with a bunch of shows where it's like, oh my God, why are you in this? This is so long ago. And he is pushing exactly daisies. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And Josh. Tell us what The Frighteners is about. Um, a ghostly con man gets a little more than he bargained for. That's yeah, it. Yeah, that, that works for me. Um, <laughs> I will, yeah, no, we'll get more into the plot, but okay. So we've kind of talked about why you picked it. Um, I When I saw this as a kid, because I, I like, it was one of those things where, yeah, I think everyone who was around our age grew up like kind of loving michael j fox mostly because of back to the future it's been city or something you know and i think like i remember finding out that he was a star of this movie and like i hadn't seen him in a movie in so long that i was like oh my god this is gonna be amazing and so like yeah there was a weird excitement i think among like genre fans because michael j fox is like headlining this kind of horror film yeah Uh, which i mean it when you like break it apart, it does feel like it could be a Michael J. Fox movie because like, again, Back to the Future was like right. very Back to the Future. And this also <laughs> has a lot of a sp- special effects and a lot of like weird comedy and humor. And so like the ingredients are there. It just happens to also be something we wouldn't see coming from him. And so it was also weird for that reason. Yeah, I'm actually pretty surprised because I hadn't watched it in a long time and I'm pretty surprised at how unlikable his character is. And it's like perfect casting that it's Michael J. Fox. Cause his character could have easily been like an unlikable person where you just don't like him. And he does like unlikable things, but since he's played by Michael J. Fox, he always keeps you tethered to at least caring enough, whether he lives or dies. And eventually, you know, he kind of salvages yeah. himself and like, yeah, it's a very different role for him, which is interesting. He has this thing that nobody ever gave him credit for, gives him credit for. He's still with us. It's weird because yeah. it's like 96, <laughs> but he's still very much alive and doing things. Um, Retired from acting. But he has this thing that people never give him credit for, but they always give it to Tom Hanks and that he's your likable every man. And so no matter where you put him, you end up rooting yeah. for this person, even if you shouldn't. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that he's very short in all his roles. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm sure half of my fascination with him is I needed to hug him. And I found out he was Canadian. I was like, what does that mean? Um, so like, I was a very weird child. <laughs> yeah, if, if you just if you just describe this character to someone, like, you wouldn't think. Like, you, you wouldn't be, you'd be like, oh, yeah, he's an architect who um, talks to ghosts and runs a ghost scam business and lives in his half-built house begrudgingly you're like oh that's like a michael shannon weirdo in like a horror film right you're like no 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 he's like a likable protagonist (laughs) (laughs) like i i can't think of many actors who could have made this a lovable role and a fun ride because everybody else would have been like i'm dark and i'm haunted by my dead wife and he's like i got dead friends and i got problems but let's (laughs) let's do this yeah yeah and i was reading like because i was looking at some of the the trivia and i was reading the like the other choices like Michael J. Fox always first choice, but after that it was uh, Tom Cruise and like Johnny mm-hmm. Depp and John Cusack, and I feel like each one of them would have been way too dark. Where it's kind of like, oh, I don't really like you. You're kind of the only one on that list who I am not actively mad at is John Cusack, and I might just not be checking on him enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it still wouldn't have been right because again, like. Michael just has his energy. Like, he still has it. Like, in interviews and in books, like, he's still very much this person who you're like, yes, I want to buy whatever you're selling. Yes, let's do this. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and his character, we should say, Frank Bannister, he's like, he can see ghosts after a car accident that, like, took the life of his wife. And he's, instead of, like, doing that to help anyone, he uses it to scam people where, like, he'll or he'll send his ghost friends to go haunt their house and then he'll get rid of the ghosts. Yeah. And, like, that first scene, because at the very beginning, he, um, or the first time he sees them, he, like, accidentally runs into a fence. And so the guy wants him to pay and so he sends his ghost friends to go, uh, to go, like, haunt it. And then he's like, oh, we can just call it even. It's like not even like he's not even pretending to not be scamming these guys. Right. Yeah, there's there, there's definitely like a clear through line with him. Yeah. Um, he, I do lo- I do has, love like, the husband too who The husband's great and he has like this water gun of holy water and like even in the scene he's just kind of squirting it everywhere. He's not even like really aiming for anything. In the fridge, in the microwave, in places where the ghosts are not or would not be. He's just not yeah. even trying. And he puts on like he puts on uh, plastic gloves for literally no reason whatsoever. It's it's amazing. He he has the energy of a wrestler who's ready to retire. Yeah, really, <laughs> he's he really the <laughs> Yeah, and I, you know, because this was uh, one of Peter Jackson's like first. It was like his first horror film in America. Um. Because he had done Heavenly Creatures, which is kind of there, but like this is like more of his wheelhouse. And I think like, yeah. you can see a lot of his little touches. Like at the very beginning, uh, so he goes and he, Frank Bannister goes and he like does the scam. And then he finds out that the the husband has like the number, a number on him. He's like trying to figure out what it is. And then the husband dies and he takes, uh, he takes the husband to the funeral. And that's when ghosts, including one played by uh, R. E. Lee Emery. And uh, and they don't like each other, and and Frank tries to punch him, and then he tries to punch him again, even though he knows that he's gonna go through him, and it just like that's such a good character beat that like he's so stubborn at this point that he's like trying to literally punch the dead, 
And like, I just really yeah. love like the little the little touches that uh, that Peter Jackson always throws in, where it's like, yeah, look at look at uh, like he's you can tell that he's really sat down and thought about like every aspect of this of this world that he's created. Yeah, there's so much like attention to like little things that I think it's like it's such a weird delight. Like you see the husband's kind of a weirdo, like first when when he runs over, you know, his fence yes. and everything. And then later you see as like an Elvis statue in his room and you realize he kind of has Elvis hair. <laughs> like he's an Elvis <laughs> fan with the Elvis hair, you know, and it's just like who would have thought to put, oh, by the way, this guy loves Elvis into the movie, you know. <laughs> I- he was such a I, I did I could not figure out his character as a child and even rewatching it today, I was like, um uh, <laughs> because he's he's very much self-involved. He's definitely like done something with his wife's money. They're not in love. Right. They seem obligated to be in the house because probably financial reasons. <laughs> um and she's this serious woman with a career and he, we don't know what he does other than works out and like hugs his gnomes. And so I just <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like they took like the like the the stereotype of like the 1950s hysterical housewife to like the gr- like the tough like man and like flipped the genders so he's just this hysterical house husband who like can't get it together, you know. Yeah. yeah. He was such a mess. <laughs> so yeah, good. and like love- it is it's this weird thing where I almost don't know if he knows because like at certain points he wants to protect Lucy, but he also is constantly lying to her. And so, like, it's just, like, I think that, like, he he sees everything superficially. Like, even, like, when he's dead and they go to dinner and he's he's trying to talk to Lucy through Frank, he tells her at the beginning, he's like, once I get back on my feet, I'm going to build you a house. And it's like, you're dead, sir. <laughs> you literally are where, like, you're a goat. You can't even sit down because you're dead. <laughs> I love to like I think the very first the first scene where I was like okay this movie's great is when the the like the, the kitchenware the plates and everything are literally levitating around and he turns to his wife and goes there's got to be a rational explanation for this <laughs> just, I was like all right that's the tone in this one image and it's perfect yeah. I just love that she was like, you need to call this ghost guy who you met today. And he's like, no, I'm stubborn. Um, we'll just stay haunted. Yeah. <laughs> Beds are levitating. <laughs> People are being snatched and dishes are... Uh, yeah, that was such like, a no. funny because... Because... Uh, they they put out a new like the the local newspaper puts out an article about how he's a he's a con man and they don't really say how he's a con man because clearly the hauntings are real you know yeah. but people still turn on him despite the fact that the hauntings continue <laughs> such a like such a strange <laughs> idea it's like yeah. that like the lady oh I just forgot her name the redhead who he tries to save later oh. Uh... The the newspaper lady. I know she, yeah. she's played by Elizabeth Hawthorne. Thank I don't you. know what her name is. In the Magda. Movie. It's Magda. Magda. Yeah. Because yes. Magda name. and her triplets are being haunted. But yet she's like, um, now that you're here, no. <laughs> yeah, they literally like fly at her and she catches them. But she still doesn't. And I think it does kind of go with a little bit of the, of one of the themes where people are constantly like trying to find an explanation for these unexplainable events happening in the small town. And so like, I can see like people would rather try to convince themselves that Frank did it, which oddly enough, he kind of did, but not in the way they think. Um, 
<laughs> and so like they're just trying to push him out for one reason or another because he is kind of seen as like a pariah around town even before they know that he's a con artist yeah no i i always love that about weird small towns that these movies take place in because you're like how did this person get to be the outcast specifically because yeah we have this one incident which is suspect, but it's just like, mm, <laughs> let's never trust him. Let's always like harass him. And I'm just like, how do we get to that point though? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's from A he, to B. He does yeah. live in a half built house on the edge of town. So I kind of see how he'd be seen as the town weirdo in spite of everything else. So. <laughs> I also love too the first time he goes to his house and he's eating cereal, you see that it's booberry. Such a stupid show. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I like, see, it's a great little touch. And I also, like, I really like that in this movie, they explain that, like, whatever you die in, that's the clothes you're going to wear as a ghost until you, like, get to heaven. I think that's such a nice touch. And I feel like I th- I thought that already <laughs> for no particular reason. I just yeah. assume. That's kind of like, that, that's like a Beetlejuice type thing. Like, you look the way you died. So yeah. that's been ingrained in my mind ever since Beetlejuice anyway. I could see this being in the same world as Beetlejuice, now that we're here. Yeah. It it really could. And I was going to say, it does kind of feel like Tim Burton's darkest movie, you know? Like, because Jackson goes for the rated R. And so, but there's multiple points where it does feel very Tim Burton-y. Yeah, I think that's why I was drawn to it, other than Michael J. Fox. Because clearly, after I saw Michael, something kept me watching it forever as a child. <laughs> and I think that's part of it is because it was that it was hitting the right notes of spooky and whimsical that Tim Burton seemed to have a lock on when I was a child. Yeah, what I, what I yeah, what kind of what I liked about like kind of the gore is that it does because you know I was like you're talking about his contemporaries with like Casper, so it'll have the like oh the ghost gets run over by a car and he kind of gets flattened. But then it also have like, oh, this person got scythed down the middle and you see their guts coming out as they die. You know, it's like, okay, it does both, like both ends of yeah. the spectrum. Yeah. And I feel like because all the ghosts look translucent and they look kind of, they have a bluish hue to them. And I feel like that helps with kind of keeping the ghosts more on your side, if that makes like you're never really scared of those ghosts because they kind of seem a little bit friendlier with the blue light. And so I kind of feel like that's a good, that was a good choice to keep them like that, especially because they have, uh, Chai McBride plays like he died in the 70s, so he still has like the afro and he has like the disco suit. And uh, the other guy, um, he he died in like the 50s, so he looks like a 50s kind of, like he has a letterman's jacket and stuff. I feel like they picked the two like most wholesome outfits for these characters. <laughs> And then there's the uh, then there's the the cowboy, the judge. Oh, right? the judge! Yes, yeah. Sean, not Sean. Oh my God, it's John Aston who was Gomez, which also I think I didn't appreciate enough as a kid. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, John As- and John Aston, he's like a gem every time he shows up. <laughs> and uh, also, I this is a like a funny bit of trivia, but apparently during filming, uh, Michael J. Fox kept calling him Doc from back to the future and i was like that's what i assumed would happen it's like he michael j fox is marty mcfly he really is he he would just skateboard on the set every day and no one questioned it yeah i think part of his retirement is that he's going to be doing some time travel and doesn't have time for the present anymore exactly Um, but yeah, yeah, John asks, and then he has the dog who like eats his jaw sometimes. <laughs> it's just like, like you know, because again, there was such you could have gone scary with the with his friends, 
and made him kind of like dark and sinister. But the fact that they kind of keep him a little bit like Casper in the Casper universe ghosts, it really helps to like not make you hate these characters, which is, I mean, you need it. And it also helps set up the villain who's in the rope with like <laughs> the giant reaper mood because yeah. you're like, clearly that's a villain. That's not a friendly ghost. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the fact that he, cause the, uh, the villain looks like the Grim Reaper, you know, he has a big cloak, he has the sickle, he can't see his face really. You see it once when they run through the car, and he's revealed later, but at the beginning, that's what you see. And A, I'm surprised that we've all, we haven't seen that many Grim Reaper villains in cinema, and also B, like how effective it is, and not only making him separate from the regular ghost, but also making him pretty scary when you're watching him like move around. Like he has a menace about him. I feel like he was overshadowed because this was the same year as Scream. And yeah. so they were like, well, clearly I want to be Ghostface. Um, right. <laughs> and so we forgot what we have rediscovered here and we need to bring it back. More, We need justice for the Reaper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We need more Reaper, Reaper paraphernalia. More also, Reaper madness. And I feel like Scream was an easy costume because everyone already had that mask when when scream came out like that's what's so good about it is that it was like the most common mask ever yeah, it was like built-in marketing basically it was, <laughs> yeah. it was kind of perfect on, and to their credit um but yeah i like i really like the the reaper and how he looks and like the fact that he he when he takes out the sickle he like bangs it on the ground to let the blade come out again it's yes. all these touches that just really like it's like, oh my god, Peter Jackson. Give him Lord of the Rings. He's going to do a great job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that is one of those where people are like, oh, look into Peter Jackson's earlier works. It's like, you are going to be surprised if, if you didn't <laughs> <Yeah>. already know. <laughs> well, and you know what's funny is when they announced that he was going to make these movies, I remember being like, yeah, he made the Frighteners. He knows how to deal with special effects. Because when you're like 10 years old, you don't know that there's like different levels of special effects. <laughs> so you're like, yeah, he, he did the ghost. He can do anything. <laughs> yeah. And how, how could he have resisted in the, the scene with all the ghost soldiers in Lord of the Rings? How how did he resist slipping in the Frightener ghosts, you know, just, know. just in the crowd? I, I don't know. I want to redo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what he needs to do in these three-hour longer cuts. <laughs> yeah, the yes. extra extended edition, yeah. No. Like, I need a new cut. We can call it the Snyder cut and just slip it right on in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and okay, so also, what did you guys think of Jeffrey Combs' character? He's the uh, one that I'm most I, on the fence of. I loved it, although I loved, um, I love Jeffrey Combs from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Oh. He's, he's the goat <laughs> in that show. What I really appreciated in this movie is that at the end when, um, he, because he's the FBI agent who's a weirdo, I was like, oh, he's tied to this somehow. Like, he knows about the murders and he's helping him. No, he's just a weirdo. He's, <laughs> like, he's, he's just an independent of weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was purely on his own, this weird, like, pre-incel, like a proto-incel of the era. Because he can't hear women yell at him or he, like, gets violently ill. Such a, like, such a disturbing character. I loved it. See, I, that's... 
Oh, go ahead. I just remember him always interrupting the real <laughs> drama <laughs> and the real story with his like random bullshit and people being like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. See, I love it. Like too, he doesn't just like, cause he's an FBI agent and he doesn't just have his like FBI pistol. He chases them with an Uzi. <laughs> it's like, where did he get that? <laughs> See, and <laughs> even like, cause I haven't watched this movie in a long time, but I have the scene where like the sheriff is like interrogating Frank and um, he tells the sheriff to leave. And then the sheriff's like, he's, this is my case. And he pulls out his wallet. He goes, uh, by the, by the authority of the president of the United States of America. <laughs> like I, he's so annoying. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously he's annoying, but I think, you know, in, in an intentional way. Yeah. And again, it's like one of those things where we, and this happens a lot on movies we've discussed where it's like, this role could have just been a regular FBI agent who's chasing Frank, <laughs> who like they could have made him like Mulder, where he's maybe a little yeah. dark. But the fact that they made him so weird and like he has like he's like an agent of pain where he has and, all these yeah he has stuff carved and, into it, and he has a Hitler haircut. Thank and, you. <laughs> yeah, he's he's clearly supposed to be like a fascist, but also a, like a womanating fascist, which is like what a weird premonition for like what like Trump supporters would become. But. uh... <laughs> And he has the most ridiculous death too, where his he his head explodes from being shot with a shotgun, and instantly his ghost head is there, looking confused. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's I, the dumbest is, death of the movie, and I love. No, it. that's a that's my favorite death. It's no like, oh yeah, of course it would just be there. <laughs> Because yeah, everyone else kind of had the like, oh, like I'm getting off the ground. I'm confused that I'm dead. And he's just immediately in his still body. just looking Well, and puzzled. I think okay. I took it as he was already dead on the inside, which is why he was such a weird character. <laughs> yeah, That's good. Yeah. Well, and again, another bit of trivia is that apparently this movie, like they wanted it to be PG-13. And like no matter how hard Peter Jackson cut it, they would not allow it to be PG-13. And so he added in this death to like be like, okay, well, if you're going to make it rated R, I'm going to make it rated R, which like I appreciate like, yeah, that's good. Make it even worse. Yeah. I think the R rating was going to stick just because of the like super violent deaths in the hospital. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, okay, so let's talk about that because that part is genuinely disturbing. So, okay, we find out that the killer is actually uh he's a ghost of a killer that uh attacked in the 40s and his girlfriend still lives in town and like the whole time you're trying to figure out whether she was I, a part I, of it or not i mean you say find out but they show footage of him in the first five <laughs> minutes so you could we, probably put it together before <laughs> michael j fox figures it out but yeah we also yeah. Need to acknowledge that the girlfriend <laughs> has aged into d wallace who is horror movie royalty <laughs> right yeah. yeah 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 and i do like that um Peter Jackson said that he picked her because she was the mom from E.T. And it's like, oh, my God, Peter Jackson. She looks so scary in this film. <laughs> yeah. I, I love her character because once she's like, okay, I'm done pretending to be this person you need me to be. We're going to go knows. ahead and go wild. She has the <laughs> most fun. Like, I I was obsessed with her. I wanted to be her as a kid because I was like, she's just running around cackling with her shotgun, like causing chaos. She cares nothing about what's going on. <laughs> yeah, she really, like, goes, like, zero to a hundred. <laughs> as soon as they find out that she's crazy. I mean, she'd been holding it in, so... Even, like, and yeah, I really like the scene where... Um, so, like, you find out that she's part of it because the ghost, like, comes and talks to her, and they're, like, embracing, and you just see her, like, 
caressing his face, but you can't see him, and it just looks so unsettling. <laughs> yeah. I loved his. Okay, yeah, because he is. He was an orderly at a hospital who just snapped and decided that he wants to be like the greatest serial killer. So he wants yeah. to like beat the records of all the others, and he just starts shooting people in this hospital, and he beats. Um, he beats Charles Starkweather's record before they get him. But then as a ghost, he's wanting to like keep upping it until he like becomes the, the greatest serial killer of all time. I, yeah. I think they also beat John Wayne Gacy and there was somebody else who they needed to like, Oh, he up Ed, more Ed, Ed so Don. America could have the record. And I was like, Jake Busey, you've touched on something dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause he's like, Oh, I just beat Gacy. Now I'm going for guide, you know? And I was like, yeah. ugh. That's, yeah. That's, that's a good. That's I, a good motivation for a killer because it's so unsettling. And I like that he's like uh, he's mad because the Russian cannibals claiming to kill like fifty plus, and he's like, "That guy's a liar." <laughs> <laughs> it, it, just so extra, and I I also love that the younger version of D. Wallace's character, whose name I just keep forgetting because I'm great today. Um, <laughs> The younger version of her character gave me a lot of Wednesday Adam vibes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she and she definitely has like that baby face, which is made creepier by her actions. Yes. Yeah, and later, I mean, they kind of like live in that because she lives with her mother, who kind of resents her for clearly being a murderer, but she's like still protecting her. She's like, I could get her arrested, but I won't in her like old yeah. mansion. And yeah. It's kind of funny because the whole time you think the mom is like keeping her hostage and then you realize like the mom is constantly trying to save her and is just yeah. failing miserably. And I think that that's like an interesting dynamic that you almost have to think about in after you watch it to kind of come to terms with what's happening in that house. It's, I mean, it, it's very confusing and muddled because clearly this woman raised this person who went on to do these things. Mm -hmm. And so, like, perhaps giving her back to her was not the best idea. Right. Um, <laughs> but what do I know? I don't do law stuff. I'm just a drunk girl in the unit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I also think, like, yeah, definitely the mother does not have the best way to handle anything because she kind of uses violence to solve all of her, uh, all of her daughter's things and it's clearly not working. It was that generation. They they knew no other way. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So, and I want to talk about this because at the end, uh, they run back to the hospital, which is like the, the first massacre's location. And like, again, in like a brilliant bit where Michael J. Fox walks in and since he can see the ghost, his brain keeps like flipping back and forth, like through the flashback. So he's seen what happened back then, but also stuff is happening now that like could affect him where like, People are trying to talk to him. He can't hear. He's getting chased, but he doesn't realize it. And like, oh man, that just makes it so scary that like you don't really know where you're like where you even are or and you, you're you aware that you don't know where you are, but you can't really do anything about it. Yes. Yes. It was very disorienting. Um, and again, Michael J. Fox is being Michael J. Fox and having fun with it. But <laughs> I'm always like, where are we at? Wait, what are we doing? Wait. Can you like come back to the now? They're trying to shoot you. Could we? <laughs> so it's yeah. where the anxiety peaks in the movie. Yeah, it's and it's definitely like a uh, you don't know what's gonna happen to Michael J. Fox because like anything could happen at this point because it is you know it is a horror film and so he's there's like a scene where he's hiding under the bed 
and it keeps flashing back and forth. But the girl is in the room looking for him with a shotgun. Like, yeah, with a shotgun. Yeah, and it's like, oh my god, she's <clears throat> gonna find him, and he's not even gonna realize that he's being shot. Yeah. Yeah, it was intense. Well, because he also earlier in the movie he he temporarily dies. So you, I, I I kept expecting that to be like, oh, he's they're gonna get him, and then he'll you know as a ghost be able to like still like save the day. But you know he he narrowly pulls through. So I appreciate that when he was a ghost, he took his shoes off, so he's <laughs> running around barefoot as a ghost. Because again, you are wearing forever what you die in, and I also hate shoes, and so I felt that was something else that we had in common, me and this character. Yeah, definitely socks. I don't. I do not want to be buried with my socks. No. I also remember after watching this movie, a lot of times I would always try to be dressed the best. <laughs> like, and I'd be like, you know what? Just in case, just oh, in man. case, I want to look good. I'm so right. gonna die in a pair of basketball shorts and no shirt because that's eighty percent of my life now. Yeah, that's remote. That's remote work. <laughs> As a '90s kid, I definitely was one of those kids who heard quite often, "Make sure you're wearing clean underwear just in case you die." And so I was very confused about <laughs> what I was inviting every time I showered. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wait, what? Like, draw the point A and point B to this situation. Yeah, I think that'd be my la- least concern. Is that I well, but then I'm you wearing? you might shit yourself when you die anyway. So what? Yeah. What poor no. Yeah, take that, parents. Right? <laughs> yeah. Those nice like underwear. Parents just badly. don't understand. The... That's, that's what Will Smith was thinking about. He, he was he was singing about how you shit yourself when you die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, you, and the funny thing is, is that. There's so much of this movie to talk about. There's like, so, like I keep, I'm like, oh wait, we got to talk about this. You know, it's funny. Uh, you said this movie like he was trying to get a PG-13 rating, and I would like to imagine that a bunch of those conversations were this them being like, Peter Jackson, just take out the scene where he has sex with the mummy, and you can see <laughs> him pumping into the mummy as he does it. Peter Jackson going, no, that stays in no matter what. Yeah what, exactly, yeah, what exactly was he doing to try to make it PG-13? Because, like, people are getting sickles through their head. Yeah. He's yeah. like, we cast Michael J. Fox, so she get us a PG-13. And they're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, okay, and another thing that I really liked is that, and you don't find out till the end, but throughout the movie, the Grim Reaper seems to be able to kill the ghosts. And Thank so you. That, yeah, that adds like a level of like, oh, this is real now. Because even when you're watching it, it's kind of like that thing where it's like, well, if you die, you'll just Michael J. Fox will just be a ghost, so he'll still be around. And so the fact that they're killing him off, it's like, oh no, like this is this is more serious than than before. Thank you. I <laughs> that that confused me because I'm like, they're already dead. How are they dead again? <laughs> um, and also, it, it this last rewatch, I did notice a little bit more that the ghosts were solid when it, it was convenient, as opposed yeah. to never being solid or always being solid. Like he can like elbow her husband at the dinner table. But... Yeah, well, and because <laughs> earlier me talks, he's like, oh, if you're dead long enough, you like become a full fledged. But for a while, you're this weird. Like you could still be like grabbed and stuff like I don't know. It was like a weird distinction between ghosts. They don't really get into it, but they do like bring it up at least. It, it definitely opened some questions on this world that I don't think Peter <laughs> yeah. Jackson will answer for me. Um, I could try and email him, but I doubt that he <laughs> would be receptive. It's funny too because they do like the like yeah. It's like oh, if if they kill you as a ghost, you're like dead as a ghost, and it's like okay, it's a horror movie. I'm willing to roll with that. 
That was also a main plot point in the movie Coco, which is not supposed to be a scary movie, but was the most <laughs> horrifying part of that movie where I'm like, oh, God, you could still die in this world. <laughs> you, you, die, you die and leave heaven. <laughs> Can you imagine yeah. dying and still having those worries of dying? Like, that's not fair. I know. Like, will there yeah. also be bills? Will I also have to pay taxes? Like, what do I get to be a ghost? Yeah, where are the benefits of this ghost situation? I'm rethinking my death now. Like, I... <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to die, but now I'm not so sure. Yeah. I'm yeah. more anti-death than I was before we had this conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and all, uh, speaking of which, in Beetlejuice, they do the same thing where they, like, they go to that room where they're like, oh, this is what happens after you get exercise. Like, the the death of the ghosts. And it's like to me, like, and as a kid, I didn't, I never really paid attention to that scene because I didn't understand it. And as an adult, I'm like, oh my god, that's a horrible implication that you can just die again, and now you're floating in a room in a hallway. Yeah, no, I, I would not like that. I feel like one death is enough, unless you want to get into that whole like reincarnation thing. <laughs> but even then, you get a whole do over. You're not just like constantly dying forever. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, how many times do I have to die, man? This is, that's not what I signed up for. Right? <laughs> is nothing ever going to be easy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, there is terrible implications. Although you do find out at the end that when, when they get killed, yeah, they go, they go they to, to heaven to or hell. Yeah, because at the end he briefly goes to heaven and meets his, his ghost buddies and, you know, they look good Which, in heaven. And I all as a kid, I always wondered where the judge was, but I found out that apparently in the originally the judge comes back as a ghost, and he like he ends up going west towards California, and oh. then they cut it out for pacing. But that's oh, interesting that's that like yeah, that would have been great. To, yeah, yeah, I I would have liked to see the judge one more time. I would like to see the scene where he s- sleeps with the mummy, but extended to like fifteen minutes. Just <laughs> <laughs> way more. <laughs> Like, one of my questions while um, he's up in heaven with his ghost friends who are now in, like, in heaven, so heaven friends, is his wife makes an appearance, but they don't actually interact. And I was like, is it because he's already moved on with this girl downstairs? Or could we just not have them on the same day for filming? Yeah, like, maybe that's why they were always fighting, because she never talks to him. <laughs> yeah. She was about to divorce him before the car accident. You don't find that out, but... <laughs> Yeah, and so he's been haunted for no reason. Yeah, yeah she, she she really does just come back and be like, "You got to get out of here, go, go back." She was yeah. like, "I thought I got rid of you when I died. Like, what is this?" She's like, "I'm Machine McBride again? now." All right, listen. Yeah, I've, I've moved on. <laughs> listen, <laughs> I do think, and like again, the you find out that um that they were fighting about. Oh, also when. The FBI agent recounts the, like what happened to his wife, and he's like telling all the details about how they they got in a fight because he wanted or she wanted a garden, he wanted a basketball court, and then that was like the last thing they talked about before they crashed and she died. They film it almost like an old like um, America's Most Wanted video where they're like zooming into people's faces <laughs> and it's like overblown. I thought that that was like such a good like way to do that where like you immediately know it's a flashback and it's like a little bit cartoony. So it might not be the whole truth, but he didn't have to say that. It's just like the way he filmed it and showed it 
works really well. And I also just like snap zooms into witnesses' faces. <laughs> because yeah. I saw this a lot as a child, I couldn't help but see Michael J. Fox with a basketball and think Teen Wolf. And I was like, is that air just for this? Are we going to do werewolves too? Because I was a kid who didn't know any better. I, I did think that, of Teen Wolf too, yes. That's funny because I couldn't get my eyes off of his his long wig hair. <laughs> oh yeah, where he's he has the most eighties look of the flashback. Yeah, I like, he even has like the flashy suit that's a little bit too big. I love it. I want to know specifically how that conversation went down. We're gonna wig Michael J. Fox, but he's be something he would never wear. It's like we need him in flock of seagulls hair and eighties power suits. He needs yes. to be doing a line of coke off one of those giant cell phones. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He is gonna this is his unofficial audition for American Psycho. Right. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Uh. Love it. And yeah, and then to even uh another character point is that at one point Lucy goes to his house and she goes to the basketball court and he's put this like garden where where like where the basketball court used to be. Oh man, what a touching moment without any like Michael J. Fox isn't even in that scene, and it's such like a good moment for his character. Yeah, oh yeah, because the husband's looking at it and he's just like, uh, why'd he ruin this oh, net yeah. or something? Like, you know, he just <laughs> yeah. dismisses it. Yeah. Yeah. What a waste, I think he says. <laughs> and another good character moment is at one point the FBI agent has a gun on Michael J. Fox, and then Lucy, his like love interest shoots him with the fire extinguisher and like incapacitates him. And then when Michael J. Fox is going past him, he kicks him for no reason. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I love to, because that's the scene where Michael J. Fox breaks out of prison. And I thought, I was like, okay, Michael J. Fox is going to have his ghosts like unlock the cell door or something like that to get out. But no, Michael J. Fox just braces himself and just kicks (laughs) open his jail cell. (laughs) Like, Like he's like, well... I'm just that strong to just break <laughs> open a jail cell with my leg. <laughs> I mean, yeah. a night in jail made him a hardened criminal. <laughs> yeah, so... He's he's prison buff now, yeah. <laughs> he definitely learned the ropes in that single jail. <laughs> he got arrested on leg day and it all just worked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, it's so good. It, and like the look of the town, which like it's one of those like Tim Burton small towns. Where if you look at it, like, it's like, yeah, it's a small town. It just happens to have, like, a huge museum in the middle of it that has, like, Egyptian mummies uh, and has, like, huge galas. And, like, I, I just love the, like, listen, buddy, this doesn't take place anywhere you know. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's like The Simpsons. Yeah, it's whatever it needs to be for the next yeah. scene. They have Which it. I appreciate, yeah. I always like when they do that. It's like, yeah, we, we need a big museum. We're just going to add one. It's definitely one of the movies I would like to see a map for because nobody mapped yeah. it out. So nothing makes sense. Because <laughs> it's supposed to be in America, but it does. I don't know where it was filmed, but it does not look like it looks very, I would say New Zealand or even yeah. Europe, where it's like yeah, there's it a lot of hills and houses are kind of sporadic. It was filmed entirely in New Zealand, in fact. Of course, okay. yeah. <laughs> Which but, makes sense. And I think like uh, it's it's just good to kind of, I don't know. I always like when they pretend that, that this clearly not American town is America. I like the idea of like a, a flight full of tourists going to New Zealand and it's like 99% people going to see the Shire and then just like two guys going to see the Frighteners house. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, let's go there. <laughs> I, 
I also just, I need them to explain with this map that nobody ever made how the place where Dee Wallace and her mother are living is a running distance to the hospital where she committed these crimes. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why the girl is unstable because she lives right next to like a hospital. Right. It, which is now a giant abandoned hospital. <laughs> just, yeah, the yeah. middle of town. In disrepair, I, just hanging out. Yeah. And I wonder what like I, I still wonder how they filmed because they had to have it twice one like real nice and one all grungy and i wonder like <laughs> how, did they build that hospital or what i bet you they did it's <laughs> well, like, crazy to me that was such a because they're like oh we need to get this to to uh you know his ashes to sanctify ground like that's their plan to try to stop the, the, the ghost just to throw his ashes and to like it's like oh there's a rectory in the old hospital it's like where you could just drive to like an open church and walk in <laughs> it would be <laughs> yeah. so much there's no way this town doesn't have another church in it one that's not that's clearly not haunted that would be great. <laughs> yeah, that's... that's what i look for in a church is one that's not haunted um <laughs> when you don't have to to get through five levels of an abandoned hospital to to enter it yeah 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 I also yeah. love that they didn't find the elevator until she was running away from the creepy cop because they were taking the stairs up all six of these flights. Oh and then she was like, oh, I'll get in the elevator now. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. And also the fact that she like her defense when she's stuck in that elevator is to just go up and down the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a, what a film. What a picture. Yeah. It's good, and I think like this movie is kind of always on some kind of streaming. It goes back and forth, so I think yeah, it's I, it's, I it's, it's not right now unless you have stars. If you don't have stars, right you, you, you have stars. to rent it or own it. Which I but it was on it. Hulu like last month. I know and it was on HBO like two months ago, so I was very surprised. I even I even tried Tubi. That's how desperate I was, but it was not on Tubi. <laughs> The cycles for horror movies from the 90s are, is wild because they'll be somewhere popular for a month and then somewhere off the beaten path for a month and then back up something else popular. And I'm like, is this like one of those random <laughs> like 60 second dating situations? Like, I yeah. Don't <laughs> yeah. Like right now I was I, I wanted to watch all the Jason movies and yeah, I had to get stars. That's why I have stars. And yeah. But like last month they were all on Hulu. So they just kind of switch back and forth. Yeah, it makes it hard to plan because you're like, yeah, we're going to do this. And then by the time you get there, it's like, oh, I'm not going to pay $10 for it. Let's yeah. do something else. Yeah, well, like, because when we were trying to watch every Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, it's like, oh, it's weird that one, two, and three aren't on HBO, but four is? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I think just... the first three are on Shutter right now. They're, or they're on Tubi, or they were on Tubi at least. And I know the first two are on Shutter too. Yeah. And like, and that's the thing is that we want to jump back into the remake, but right now it's on HBO Max. But I feel like by the time we get to it, it's not gonna be. So. Yeah, I've definitely been like, "Hey, let's grab this while it's here, and we'll figure out when we can actually put it up later." Like, <laughs> because I will not be paying for things that are free for like nine months out of the year, and then the right. month I'm ready, it's like no. Because yeah, when we did yeah. my, we did the Alien franchise for my birthday, and they were on HBO Max forever until people voted for that franchise, and then they were like scatter. And so we are piecing together and reading parts, and I'm like, I hate this. Look. Yeah, yeah, and it's so weird, especially like when they own the franchise. Like, just keep it there. What are you yeah. doing? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's some weird licensing thing. Yeah, yeah, probably. But yeah, yeah, and right now it's perfect to watch. It's a good. It's also I feel like it's a good gateway horror film because like there is deaths and stuff, but 
I feel like like a 11, 12 year old. That's when I watched it, and I feel like it's good enough. It's not it's not gonna scar you, but it's kind of gonna get you into horror. I feel. It's definitely on that slate of movies I feel would be age appropriate. Granted, I was a weird kid. So I watched everything. Yeah. But I feel like this and like your Beetlejuice and like your Clue, those are like nice little midway spooky movies to get a gateway started for your child. Yeah, yeah. And I feel the same way where it's like, yeah, I personally think it's a gateway, but I was also watching like Predator when I was like five years old. So what do I know? <laughs> yeah. like, I was like, imagine- weird things. <laughs> My imaginary friends were like Freddy Krueger and Mike and Michael <laughs> <laughs> Myers, so like I'm I'm not gonna tell somebody what to like their kids watch, but I feel it's a safe space. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, I think it's worth a look. Yeah. yeah, especially if you have like those kids who want to get into horror but aren't sure about it. It's like a good like check this out, see if you like it. Yeah, I feel like every decade there's a couple that stands out. Um, like I I feel like the most recent one I've seen would be Werewolves Within because that's a very yeah anybody could watch that i feel i mean i probably not a five-year-old because sometimes five-year-olds aren't metal like i was but (laughs) (laughs) anybody above that who's cool with the hint of werewolves and things yeah 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 it's definitely werewolves is definitely one of those films where it's like yeah you'll you'll find yourself laughing and by the time things start getting real you're already too invested to to turn back Right, right, and then you find yourself like swaying to the music. It's such a weird ride. Right. I, I keep trying to like describe it to people, and it's like Mad Libs. I'm just like, just rent it. Just rent yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, just watch it. It's it's be- like just and also the Frighteners. It's better to watch it. You've we've given you enough hints, and now it's time for you to go complete the journey and check it out. Yes, <laughs> I've opened the door. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <definitely. laughs> but cool. Yeah, this was a lot of fun to talk about Frighteners. I feel like it helped that I've seen this movie like a bunch of times. Same. <laughs> so I knew, like, I didn't. I was. I mean, I watched it last night, but I was like, I don't really need to watch it. I, I kind of know what I'm doing. I I um, watched it yesterday, and it's like I never turned it off because, again, as a yeah. child, I watched it so many times, like an embarrassing number of times. <laughs> I I don't know if I thought I was studying it, if I just didn't know what else to do with my life. <laughs> yeah. so i was like i never left this town we're back again okay <laughs> yeah yeah I, and i think like as a kid you just find it i remember when i was like in 10 years old for one of my birthdays i watched star wars like during my birthday party while everyone was outside playing and i wanted it's like oh no it wasn't even like the first time i saw star wars i had seen it a bunch before <laughs> i just needed to finish it <laughs> like yeah it's no. on yeah you yeah. have to. Like, I, I used to do that with the Twilight Zone because whenever we would get cable, I would find my way to sci-fi immediately. And it was always <laughs> on because, again, the 90s. Yeah, and so right. you just lose a couple of days staring at these episodes you've seen 90 times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Especially, like, when they're... When they're when, I remember when I was a kid, you would only get cable every whenever there was a free trial. So you had yep. to take advantage of it. <laughs> 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 But cool. Well, yeah, that, this was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, go watch the Frighteners. It's on Hulu. Or it's on Stars. I was about to say Hulu because I don't know what I'm talking about. And uh, go check it out. Tell us what you think. Um, Cherry, what is there? Or tell us where people can find you. You can find my podcast, Nightmare on Fierce Street, at Nightmare Fierce on Twitter and Instagram, and at a Nightmare on Fierce Street, the full name, um, on Facebook. <laughs> um, yes. If you want to watch me and my shenanigans yelling at people to watch Tales from the Hood and his house, <laughs> you can follow my personal Instagram and Twitter, and that's M-I-S-S-S-H-A-R-A-I. Cool, and I'll link them just so people can see them, but just so they can hear it too. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, yeah, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. This yeah, was this, awesome. The summer, actually, you, you call it the summer of guests, but these aren't coming out till like what late <laughs> August. So you should yeah. edit it to say summer. autumn of guests. I do. I do summer of. It's because I'm the star of the show, not the audience. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's based on my experience. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, thank you guys for joining us in this autumn time. Um, and we'll see you next time on The Bomb Squad.